Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the student of the game. I am Kyle Nash, the student of the game, here with me in studio, both my boys, the firefighter that protects us all from fire, of course, Chris Rankin in the building. Hey, I'm glad we, because the Giants weren't there, things may have gone a little different than at least I thought, but hey, we'll get over that with the sweet stylings of Weasel Wings. Yeah, boy. Peter Weasel Hurley here bringing it to us loud here on NGST. Sports, of course, here by the talk shoe player. Um, yeah, so there you go. Rocking at NGSUsports.com, of course. Uh, with Super Bowl being officially in the books, uh, check out the 2015 NFL draft section we got going on up there. It's already time to start looking out for next season. I mean, let me ask you this, guys. Does it make sense to you that I'm already, like, I was watching a, a little uh, ESPN against my better judgment. And, and they're putting up the, the lines for betting on next year's Super Bowl already. Does that make anyone else feel dirty? Yeah. I, I mean, can we let the season at least get a little cold first now that it's dead? Well, I think for <laughs> the betting, betting-wise, I think that, you know, that last uh, touchdown and stuff, um, with that, there was, a, I think, $5 billion that were affected, you know, with betting and stuff. So Ladies and gentlemen. That, that play right there, boom. <laughs> that, that's a lot of people because the uh, – there was the lines were like uh, it was uh, pretty even yeah. throughout the board. Yeah. And uh, because it was you know a game winning play type of thing, five billion bucks was the difference. That was like craziness. Five billion dollars. And, more, <laughs> and a lot more people were picking the Seahawks. So. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, um, and they do have one uh, five to one odds next year already. Yeah, so with the Patriots, it's six, six to one. one. Yeah, I. Um, and it's because there's so many contract situations that got to be worked out. The draft hasn't happened yet. I, I don't know. It just seems like a bad plan. I don't know. But, I mean, hell, someone out there is betting it or else they wouldn't do it. And I'll leave it at that. Anyways, so as is the custom for our Super Bowl coverage, we walk through it. We go through the commercials and the halftime show because, I don't know, somebody somewhere has, like, written it in stone that we have to go over that if you're wanting to be a talent talking about the Super Bowl. Okay. And then, of course, we're breaking it down, the game itself, in just the way that our uh, resident research talent, who's a woo, let throw that. Yeah, boy. <laughs> See, we do some of this impromptu. I'm not ready when you pull out something cool like that. I, I can't front on that. Anyways, let's get right down to it. Um, we're going to start off on a positive note because I'm sure we'll have a lot of griping to do about this year's commercials, uh, and we'll get to that in a second. But... Best commercials, Chris, number three in your docket was? Is the Bud Light Human Pac-Man. The Human Pac-Man. Oh, yeah. No, okay. Yeah, that was, that was – I will say this. When I saw that commercial, my response was, I could totally do that. I don't know. That was fun to me. The oversized quarter, all that. 
And hey, you remember it was Bud Light, so right. I don't know. Is that cooler than table tennis with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah, yes, I was. I, I, I think so too. Weasel's nodding his yes, as well. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're unanimous on that. Weasel, who you got? I got the insurance commercials with uh, Lindsay Honian, Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan, yeah. Picking up some kids, and uh, she's and the kids are like, she's sort of my mom. And uh, <laughs> another one that they had, same kind of premise, was uh, Walter White, and he was a sort of a pharmacist. A pharmacist-ish. So, yeah. So, uh, and, he's from, and he's from Breaking Bad. Yeah, he met So uh, I thought that was, that was pretty good. Yeah, Brian Cranston, of course, the actor in question. Um, I felt like the Brian Cranston was uh, a bit of a disappointment, personally. It was, it, it wasn't, it's certainly not in my worst commercials, but it didn't make my best because I feel like they could have executed it better. But I can't fret on picking it. And, and you know, a lot of people are like, in the, in the car commercial with the accident or whatever, they were talking about, you know, I could barely recognize Lindsay Lohan. And then I said, without even thinking about that's because she's so wrecked. hi <laughs> Because the car wreck? Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. <laughs> Anyways, of course, at my number three spot, um, I, I, I did, look, I work in IT by day, so you got to understand, hearing old people talking about stuff that they don't understand is hilarious to me at times. And Bryant Gumbel and Corey Roberts, on the show being like, what is this with the old ad? And then it transitions to when they're in the new BMW car and they have all this technology in there and they're talking on their phones. What is this? How does this work? It, I thought that was funny. That spoke to me. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm already tech support by day. I'm tech support by, uh, by uh, night as well for my grandparents. And st- oh, my grandparents. <laughs> my parents. My daughter's grandparents, I guess, right? I guess, whatever. The point is this, folks. That was my number three. Yeah, that, was, that was a runner-up for one of the worst I thought. Okay. Hater. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to shock some people with, with some of my worst picks, too, because stuff that people liked, I didn't for my own reasons. But we'll get to that in a minute. Number two, Chris. Uh, yeah, it, it's one of the sappy ones, the Budweiser Lost Puppies. Yeah. Okay, it was a weak year for commercials. Yeah. So there wasn't much to pick on, so I'm, I'm going with the lost puppies. So let me get this straight. You have a little puppy and you got Clydesdale to go together. It's great. <laughs> the commercial that had this song on it was the one that you got all sappy over. They redid the Proclaimers with a slow tempo, and you got sappy over. Right. Own that, Chris. You should be sad. <laughs> How you doing? C- come on! Yeah, I'm not the You don't need to turn your mic up? Oh, this isn't hip hop. I don't know. Anyway, so that's why I have to make fun of you because of that. Anyway, <laughs> wait till. Mine was actually the same one, pretty much. Oh, come now i got to cure it up again. Pretty much. <laughs> the whole premise of it was that a puppy, he got like on a, a uh, horse uh, like trailer or something like that. Gets lost away from his home, and uh, he's making his way home, and uh, he uh, meets a coyote, or I think it was a wolf, was or something wolf. like that. It was a wolf. It was a wolf, and so the Clydesdales come to for the rescue. So it was it was a cool commercial. Just uh, disappointed, like that there were like a lot of them. Uh, Doritos, I think they maybe have one, and other yeah, Doritos appear. Doritos, Doritos came out poor. We're usually talking yeah. about at least one of them. We're usually talking about Bud Light or Bud Light and Doritos, and they weren't. Oh, I did this year. Yeah, we we did. I, I know they didn't crack my top three. It didn't feel like a Super Bowl commercial. It's like there wasn't nothing that really stood out. By the way, I love I'm hitting this point. Hold on, you guys, this pick by just let the proclaimers play. That that does something for me. I, I whatever because Scottish accent. That's why the song is cool. 
At least that's what my wife says. Anyway, uh, number two for me, keeping it in that area of the country, not Scotland literally because I think Liam Neeson's actually Irish, but the Clash of Clans commercial where he's doing the monologue about getting his revenge and all that. Look, I'm sorry. There you go. I mean, after, after all the silliness with Taken and all these other movies he's been in where trying to take him seriously as a hero, it's getting to the point where Key and Peele even talk about, they is my favorite. Okay, and then to hear him get this hype over a Clash of Clans game, okay, it did it for me. There you go. It did it, it, did it for me well better than any Taken movie did, I'll tell you that. I don't know. Anyways, I'm getting, I'm getting a little bit more proving nods from you two on this one. I don't think yeah. it was judged. Yeah. Number one, Chris. Class of the Clans. It was pretty funny when he, you know, he's sitting there and uh, he's just talking about the game and he's like, I'm coming after you or whatever. It's revenge. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, not anybody's just going to be able to execute that because, like, he, he, he obviously doesn't curse because it's, you know, worldwide television. It, it, he, it's just the poise. Money. There you go. Liam Neeson's is my stuff, as Keen Peel would say. Weasel. My number one was actually empowered by Microsoft. Uh, they have a the one with it, so the kid's name is uh, Raymond O'Neill, and uh, he had a he was a kid with uh, two uh, right. prosthetic legs. Right. And uh, one of those, uh, you know, uh, one of those things where it's like an inspirational. You know, the kid has got so much energy and yeah. uh, and competitiveness and. Uh, um, so that's my number one. Yeah, I, I, and you know what? I, uh, there's a reason why I'm not making fun of you with the Proclaimer song, as I get it. Um, I, I like funnier commercials, so I tend to kind of avoid the sentimental ones for the top three because if you don't put them high enough, you'll actually get you know the hard time. No, but that was a good commercial. I liked it too. Um, and yeah, I'll leave it at that. But my uh, well, you did your number one. You did your. I guess it's my turn. Um, my number one was the Blue Pill with Fiat. That the old dude is out hanging out with his lady, and then he's trying to get the pill because you know the intent is relations. And long story short, it ends up landing in the gas tank of the Fiat, and the little wimpy car turns into a bigger car. I thought that was clever. I thought that was funny. And I'm getting disapproving looks from both of you again. Yeah, that was kind of corny there, Kyle. You're corny. Come back. The pl- <laughs> <laughs> I can't respond to that one. <laughs> Anyways, uh, bottom three, Chris. Uh, number one, or number coming in third, the worst, I guess. Uh, least worst. Would be the Nissan Cats in the Cradle. Yeah. One. I mean, he was selling cars, and he was talking, he was selling this and everything. And I don't know what it is this year. There's like a lot of dad commercials. Yeah. And there's some, I mean, you have the Dove one with dad being there, and then you have the Nissan coming with dad not there. So it's. I guess they know. didn't get the memo. Uh, I, I, I don't know. So <laughs> it, it was just that one, and. Um, I guess that was it, the guy that sang uh, Captain McCarroll came up with the original one, not the video version. Yeah, right. um, he, he died in a car crash in 81. Oh, boy. <laughs> the car company still in this and showed the car crash. So, so an element of bad taste introduced. Right. Interesting. So. I, you know, I wasn't aware of that until you just said it. Now I'm kind of openly insulted about it. I don't know. Weasel. Uh, Budweiser commercial, actually. It was uh, the one where they had that brewed the hard way. Now... They were making fun of the uh, like craft beers and stuff, right? And an uh, example was like a pumpkin peach ale. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like they kept on like saying We're the hard way, and sometimes like really. So I I want the irony in all this to be that the person that doesn't drink 
calls out the Budweiser ad. Because I don't have it on my bottom three, but the first thing I re- the first reason why I didn't believe any of that is, yeah, I'm going to keep drinking my peach whatever ale because your beer sucks. By the way, so much for Budweiser as an advertiser. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, I have the Kim Kardashian T-Mobile commercial. It's like, you can instead spend time looking at me in my outfit and working on my backhand. And look, first of all, I work in data for a living as my day job, and She's talking about using data for something that's corrupting our entire civilization. Yeah, of course I'm stoked about that. Not really. Oh, and by the way, I'm a T-Mobile freaking customer. Super. Anyways, Chris, number two. Was the Mercedes Tortoise and the Harris. Um, they, were, they were advertising BigRace.com. Oh, you can go vote who wins. Except last week on Monday, they had the best Super Bowl commercials ad on TV. It was Monday or Thursday. Yeah, yeah. And so they show showed some of the new commercials that were going to be showed on Super Bowl. Super Bowl, and they showed the end of that commercial. I'm like, then what's the point of voting if you're going to leak out the commercial beforehand? Bingo. So I'm like, you know, you just lost the whole thing with the BigRace.com, and it's nothing going against it. And then you're calling your car slow and steady. <laughs> so, I mean... How are you going to call your own car slow and steady, you know? So uh, that's, that was almost my worst one. I, almost it was the worst. I don't blame you. Yeah. It was bad. It didn't make the – look, there was no shortage of bad commercials this year. Right. So if we don't have the same ones, that is what it is. But please don't. Uh, my number two worst was uh, Squarespace. You have Jeff Bridges, and he's, like, humming and stuff. And no, no. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that, that crap. And um, no. <laughs> so pretty much it's the whole commercial, him doing that, and I'm like – First of all, any of our uh, listeners who meditate, um, we apologize. Weasel doesn't mean to offend. No, it's just no, no, no. That's only when Jeff Bridges does it. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, but it, it, it's cool when everyone else does, it, except for Jeff Bridges. Yes. Got it. Yes. And you know what? That 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 statement is so accurate. That too is my number two. Oh. Because I'll tell you what, the, the um, with Jeff Bridges, I thought it was a good setup. I'm like, oh shit, something cool's gonna happen, and then it doesn't. You let me down. Yeah. Failure at life commercial. Number one, worst commercial, Chris. McDonald's paper will pay with loving. Some can, some people can have so much fun with that. <laughs> so I can go in McDonald's, call my mom, say I love you or whatever, hang up and just walk away with food while I pay. That's where I get out of the The cashiers have to tell you like what to do, I guess. So uh, if they, they just have it, the whole thing is, is um, it's about uh, happiness at uh, – I think it's pay with loving was the yeah. was the thing, but yeah, the cashier tells you to like you know call your mom as as you're saying and stuff like that, and then but I'm just wondering if uh, people are going to take it a little bit far. <laughs> so well, and then, <laughs> and then I want a McDonald's worker to tell me to do something to yeah. So, hey, so. no. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 one of my friends. Uh, Put on Facebook that he he knew someone that that did that. So I mean, it's legit that they did it. And and all I could think of it for some reason, I was I was fixated on Chris for this. And someone asked me to do, he's like, no, My, no, stop it. You get free food. Eh, you know, <laughs> I, I he figured over. I'll put it that way. Uh, Chris, or excuse me, Weasel. For uh, the worst number one for me was Loctite Blue. It was a bunch of people, kind of weird people. They were dancing. It was Loctite glue. Gotcha, glue, gotcha. There were people kind of dancing around, uh, and uh, they were showing, like, uses for glue and stuff, but I was like, 
kind of reminded me of the uh, there was the uh, the Super Bowl ad where a model was was uh, making out with a uh, oh a nerd a nerd GoDaddy yeah and uh, it had kind of that route to it but it was like no no <laughs> at least at least the one you're talking about I didn't put that in my worst commercials that year because I got the point you know oh our nerds are great and they'll never I mean look. A nerd like that actually scoring, I kind of feel good about it. You know, I mean, I'm not one myself, and, you know, I think my wife, she's hot, but I felt good for the nerd that he's never going to be able to kiss a 10 like that. You know what I'm talking about. Had a, had a, he had, like, the, the, the little mini nerd fro and the glasses. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyways, certainly that was well better than the commercial you're talking about. We'll leave it at that. Only because I could walk away with that good sentiment. But... What a lot of people put as one of their favorite commercials, I put as the one I hated the most. Yeah, folks, that. First of all, I've already spoken to my disdain that this is your sappy song in the background. Congratulations, your sappy song is a bunch of drunk Scottish dudes serenading a chicken, which sounds like it could be a karaoke bar. Okay? Da-da-da-da. There's your damn song. Moreover, they're retiring the prize there. And you ended on this. No. That, I'm just thoroughly disappointed by that. Now, granted, in other years, this means I made it account for top three. Between those two crimes, I can't let it pass. There you go. And both of you just put your heads down. It's like, all right, we know you hate the song. Stop it, Cam. Yeah. yeah there, there's a couple other runner-ups I like that were decent. Like, okay. uh, the Turbo Tax. Yeah. That, that one was pretty good, except, I mean, except that people... Following attacks and terror attacks, they use free, and then they charge them. They like increase the rates for their charge to not tell anyone. Yeah. Instead of being like forty bucks, it's like double or whatever. So they so, are the British. Right. So <laughs> that that was that's what I thought was pretty funny. And then also another one I kind of liked um, that a lot of people hated, and they sent out a um, memo in the third quarter of their ad was nationwide, the one with the um, uh, mixtape happened. Oh, it's not the kid that he's dead. He's like, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm never gonna grow up because I died. And they're showing like stats of yeah. people, you know, kids and everything like that. Yeah. They weren't telling insurance. They were just trying to be, make people aware of, you know, there could be accidents in the house. So they took their ad and just made it more informational instead of trying to sell stuff and make things good. Um, if you go to that website, make stuff happen or make safe happen. Yeah. Uh, it has like safety tips for all age groups and everything in there. So I mean, it's a big informational thing, Todd. I think they did a fire. People don't like it. Oh, oh, yeah, how can you have that with that? And, you know, it's so gloomy. Yeah. But, you know, it's reality. And then they have a website on there on how to try to prevent stuff. So yeah. then they did that with it. I think the, the thing about that commercial is that uh, um, for a successful commercial, uh, one thing it is is that it has to be uh, it has to be something that, you know, people will talk about. And uh, the thing about that one, uh, specifically one you're talking about, is that um, – it gets people talking, and uh, it's it was like you know a, one of those little downer kind of uh, uh, commercials, but it it was thoughtful, and uh, so uh, that would be on my uh, like the, the better side, as opposed to people who don't like it though. Yeah, I try I try to stay away from rating. Uh, like I said, I think this falls into to I said the savvier category earlier, but I try to avoid the serious stuff um, simply because. <clears throat> I get the people who are like, oh, my God, it's so depressing. But by the same token, is there ever a good way to present this information? 
and, and this is done not with the conscious to entertain, but to, to, to be thoughtful. So since I'm rating my commercials based on their entertainment value, I, like I said, I kind of left this one out. And I get what Chris is saying here. You know, it was supposed to be an effort to educate. So, of course, when you try to educate people, what's going to happen? They're going to get all cheesed off about it. You know, but um, on the whole, I, I'm with Chris. It's a good concept. Uh, there's really no good way to present this information all happy. It's like, hey, here's how you can keep your kid from getting hurt. All right. Because I'm funny. No, that's not going to work. You know, so. Um, I, I just like it because I, I just thought it was powerful afterwards. I'm like, wow, that's. I'm like, yeah. oh, that beat. That's also, I'm like, well, that was a good one. I, was, I had that originally in my top three because I'm like, yeah, I was, you know, I'm like doing research online and everything. And yeah. And people like all hated and everything. And I'm like, they had, th- they had thousands of people already on the website by the third quarter on that make space happen. Okay. Thousands of people. And most people are at Super Bowl parties, so they're not going to go look online when they're at the party and everything like that. They check their phones. Right. Hey, so, you know what? I mean, that's a success as far as we're concerned. You know, I mean, heck, and and not to mention, it sounds like it's particular to people with kids, which obviously isn't everybody. Right. You know? So, I mean, I like I said, I, I think you're right. I think it was an effort by a a a, a a a a an entity, be it a corporation, an insurance company, whatever you want to call it, to to uh, try to show social conscious. And while corporations doing that, you could be skeptical of that all you want. Whoever at least built this idea was doing it from a genuine place, and you're not going to get a better sized audience than the Super Bowl. Uh, I, you know, it, it wasn't meant to be entertaining. And like I said, if you're if you're grading it on entertainment, then you're and, and, well, and then they didn't cash in on it like oh you should insure your kids and stuff like that. Like, right? They didn't cash in on that. They're kind of some tips on how to keep them alive. Right. right. It wasn't a sales pitch. I right. Think it was more of a, a public service note. And, and you don't see that many companies do that during Super Bowl. Like yeah. four and a half million dollars for that. It's up to four and a half. Four and a half million. Yeah. For 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, just to make that clear. I don't know. Anyway, so the next best of uh, trivial Super Bowl stuff, halftime show. Katy Perry. Great. Paid to be <laughs> next. He paid to be in this halftime show, which is a first year. Um, also had uh, Lenny Kravitz and Missy Elliott have their uh, guest spots, so to speak. Uh, Chris says great. Uh, Weasel. I like this. Katy Perry's all right. And the, the, uh, which, is, which is him saying she's hat. Yeah, yeah, Missy Elliott, right? Yeah. Um, I, think she, I think that was just uh, for having Katy Perry and her. I don't think it was uh, close enough for... I think it was very uh, differing and having Katy Perry in that. You yeah, know. you want people who are more alike, like Aerosmith and Britney. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I just didn't see how, how it, it flowed with, this, with the yeah, rest of it. I'm not talking smack on you. I just love talking smack on that. Yeah, right. yeah. You're not going to top uh, Bruno Mars with Red Hot Chili Peppers last year. Right. Uh, that, that was great. That, oh, yeah. That, that was awesome last year. And I think, right. I think the, the sign that this was a good Super Bowl halftime show was you're not getting the, oh, my, like, you won't have Lewis Black in his comedy routine talking about jamming a spoon up his rear because it was that painful to watch, like Britney Spears and Aerosmith. Yeah. But, um, or in sync or whatever. The point is this. You have to follow Bruno Mars. That's a tough step. But people were saying it wasn't Bruno Mars, but it was good. Hey, that's a win, as far as I'm concerned. You know, first of all, the only thing I'll knock on it, you come out, with the roar, with that song "Roar," and you're having the eye of a tiger, and your statue looks like a lion. 
Okay, that was kind of a fail. Right. Come out with these dancing sharks and the beach. Uh, that was creepy. But overall, I'm with you guys. I thought it was a pretty good show. Um, Missy Elliott, I thought, see, I, I'm with Weasel. I didn't think it fit, but I wasn't necessarily fond of her uh, her stuff anyway, not to say she I, I didn't. I didn't think about the pattern fit in there either. So, I mean, you see, bring all these older people coming in with their dudes. Let me did well enough in his performance. They blended him well, I thought, but Missy Elliott, like, if, if Lenny Kravitz was asked to do his music, he would have stuck out. I'm with you. Right. And then, yeah, they, so I, I know some people that like Missy Elliott part. I didn't, I didn't care for that part. I mean, they're more Katy Perry and we're good. And, well, <laughs> yeah, no. But, because umbrellas, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways. You know, we're talking we're talking awful lot about this uh, trivial stuff. We got an awful lot of game review, and because we just talked about halftime, it might be a little early, but we're going to go into our halftime. We'll be back in about thirty seconds. You're listening to the Stinger Game on the National, excuse me, on NGSC Sports. When I go out when I go out, well I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. And when I come home, when I come home, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who comes back home with you. I'm gonna be the man who's coming You know, I feel like I should apologize a little bit to the Proclaimers. Like, I talked about this being a drunken karaoke Scottish song. I like this song. I'm, I'm, you know, I just don't like it being slowed down and used as a sappy interlude. By the way, you know where this first got heard? I was only happened to be in the room when my mom was watching my daughter and babysitting, and she had Dancing with the Stars on, which was the first time I heard this slow interlude of that song. And and yeah, it was it was painful then, and now you guys, dear to my heart, both bring it up now. You know, funny. Last year's Super Bowl, they had the Budweiser with the um, horse went away and be with Clydesdale. Yeah. And then uh, after the parade, he comes, the horse comes running back to the guy. Yeah. I mean, I think we will have that in the top three. Last I, did, year. I know I did. Yeah. I so it's, it's like the same freaking almost commercial. But yeah, about. Blue, the song blew it for me, dude. I'm telling you what's what, you know. I don't know. Anyways, hey, look, if that's a me problem, I can live with that. That's a you problem. Fine. It's a two to one. Then. You have a problem with sheep. It's a you problem. That's exactly no, I'm just kidding. Anyways, all right, let's get into the game. Weasel, the kickoff happened, obviously. Then what? All right, so. Now the kickoff happened, then what? Oh, yeah, coin toss. NFC has won last 16 out of 18. Hmm. Coin toss. A stat win. What do you know? <laughs> Weasel, rocket. All right, so note that uh, you have Richard Sherman, uh, Earl Thomas, and Cam Chancellor, all defenders for the Seahawks. All of them were playing with injuries. A.K.A. So, the Legion of Boom. Yes. I think some of the words I think you were, you used were like torn, like a... Sprain. Sprain or torn. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but all three of them played. So, you got the, the beginning of the game. Patriots first drive, and uh, they got a first down, and then they had a fourth and sixth at their own 35-yard line. What happened was, though, it was, a little bit, it was controversial. They didn't really make a big deal out of it. 
But well, Collinsworth did it, but he yes. was right too. It was a uh, Seahawks special teamers player, uh, Jerron Johnson. He dove to block up the punt, and uh, he missed. So he not only run, he runs into the kicker, but it is a 15-yard penalty for running into the planted leg of the kicker. Well, it, it, it's roughing versus running into. If you hit the plant leg, it's roughing. Otherwise, it's running into. You're absolutely they, right. So they called it a five-yard penalty. A rough, it should a, have been 15. Running into instead of a roughing. Right. I mean, it was pretty clear that the guy ran into his leg. I agree. I so, agree. I agree. It was it was fourth and six. Uh, the Patriots ended up declining that penalty, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, that would have gave the Patriots a first down. You so, know, here, here, here's what's interesting about that is the only reason why they got a first down was a missed tackle, and so they essentially went three and out after that. Yeah. So um, how I think that would have been mentally uh, destructive to the Seahawks. Might have even set up a situation where the uh, Patriots may have gotten a touchdown on their first drive had that continued, just because that's the kind of thing you did what, and then you start playing more careful and maybe maybe not. I don't know, but anyways, we will. It's one of those things where you look at the play, you the rules there it was pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, hey, forty-two thousand dollars a year wage two years ago, and yep. it's the biggest stage on the on the on the damn planet, literally. So off that punt, the Seahawks got it back and uh, three and out. So uh, the Patriots got the ball with 9.20 remaining. They had a 13-play drive, four first downs, and with 150 remaining at the 10-yard line, you have Tom Brady throwing a terrible interception. He was uh, terrible. I he, like was, uh, he, he was getting uh, he was getting pressure on him. Yep. And uh, so he didn't really get to step through his throws so and just like you know kind of chuck it. Could you tell who was targeted on that? Um, I didn't even hear it was a 10-yard drive. There was a. I was guessing it was Gronk. But. I think one player was at, uh, towards the left sideline. Yeah. Another player was at the left. Edelman was oh. at the back of the end zone. Back of the end right. zone, but no one was behind where the ball went. That, that show was intended for Edelman. Okay. So, that could be. I was guessing Gronk because, yeah, I... If it was towards Gronk, he was like, probably like five yards behind him. Right. Well, so, yeah. And, 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 I mean, look, where I'm at is before... The end of the before the end of the Super Bowl, Brady has thrown three picks throughout these playoffs, forcing the ball to Gronk. So it makes sense to me, but if that didn't happen, so be it. Please. So uh, that ended up being intercepted by cornerback Jeremy Lane. He's one of those names that, nah, he's, he's not know, a big name, but you know, you know, he's their cornerback. Uh, he's, he's a three-year player. But the thing is, is like you, you always think Sherman, you think uh, you know Earl Thomas, you think Chancellor, even Maxwell. Not really this guy, but the guy made his first interception of his career, and he was uh, he was being tackled by Edelman, and it was his arm came down, and the guy it was it's a pretty gruesome one. Yeah. He, he broke his he broke his wrist. I think it was, I thought it was his wrist, but they're saying he broke his arm. Yeah. So six to one half a dozen the other. The point is this, and, and all of us have seen it playing sports. Everything's fine if you fall, but sometimes you use your arm to catch yourself, and you hurt yourself. Yeah. And, and I think that's what happened. There. And uh, but it was a big play. Took uh, at least three points off the board. Okay, so, with that for sure. I mean, it, it was the the red, the red zone for the pass was three for four. Boom! There's your one. And you got so Lane. He's out for the game. Then uh, the Seahawks. You know, in the first quarter, uh, it ends with them having negative two passing yards. Great job there, uh, Russell Wilson. If you didn't have that, I would have. Yeah. <laughs> so going to the second quarter, you got 12-minute mark, 
uh, Brady was throwing he, you know, pretty much short passes all game. That's what the Patriots do. You know, carved them up and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And his first deep pass was uh, down the right sideline to tight end Rob Gronkowski, who Gronk. he couldn't, uh, I think uh, it was kind of underthrown type of thing, and he couldn't adjust to it, the ball uh, good enough. So uh, what happened with 951 remaining? You got the Patriots at the Seahawks' 11-yard line. And uh, you have uh, Brady throwing a bullet to wide receiver Brandon LaFell for the touchdown. Right, on Simon, number 27 of the Seahawks. And he was, uh, he did do a, like a short post route, and uh, the thing about that play was that there was a collision, and it was between two Seahawks players. You yes. have uh, safety Earl Thomas running into Thrall Simon. Yeah. You'll, a lot of times, I think you'll you notice that name coming up because uh, I think he was, he was like, I think uh, uh, Jeremy Lane was above him in the quarterback. Uh, in, the, uh, in the depth chart. In the yeah. depth chart. And, uh, but they were, you know, picking on him. So It's the difference between a starter and a backup. In the Super Bowl, that's what you do. And, I mean, hey, look. Regardless of who was on the field, okay, you're Brady, and they've had great coverage on everybody to this point. Then you see Brandon LaFell, who, not a great receiver necessarily, but was number two in, in, in Carolina last year, and somebody who's lined up outside shade of him wide to the, to the left. Then that same receiver, LaFell, crosses the face of that corner. Guess what? You got an easy pass. Now, we were talking about this before the show, and Weasel picked it up impromptu, knew the answer immediately. He's not getting paid millions of dollars or even hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I'll pose the question again so everybody in the audience could be aware of what you knew that that guy doesn't. Wide receiver out left lined up in the, outs, in the X or Y slot. You're the corner covering him. Man coverage here. What do you do when you line up? You... Uh... You bring him into the inside. The inside shade, exactly. Right, because you, you use the outside, you use the end line as another or defender. Or the sideline in this right. case, yeah. Exactly. Use that as your other defenders to take away the inside and force him to go over the top. Fundamentally just stood up outside of the receiver and just left that route wide open. It was it was pretty sad. Anyways, Weasel. Then you have at 9.47 remaining, you have the Seahawks three and out. Uh, <laughs> 8.05 remaining was the Patriots 3-0. So now, I, think, I think at this point in the game, actually, no, keep going. I think it's at halftime, so I'll wait till then. Things got pretty interesting with 7.07 <laughs> remaining. So uh, the Seahawks finally get their passing game going, uh, thanks to a wide receiver names. I'll look this up. Uh, Chris Matthews. Chris Matthews. It's not a CNBC. I think he has a show. <laughs> yeah, but uh, exactly. is it hardball with Chris Matthews, right? Um, yeah. yeah. Right. Anyway, but he knows. This guy is actually a... 6'5", 218-pound wide receiver. He was signed off the practice squad on December 6th. December 6th, yep. He had no catches throughout the regular season, no catches in the playoffs. Which means uh, his first career catch was in the goddamn Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl, and that, that, you know, there's a little bit more than that. But he used his height and size to bring in a 44-yard pass, um, and he had to climb pretty much a uh, – he towered over – Five foot ten, 190 pound cornerback Kyle Arrington. Yeah, that's one of the, another one of those corners, and uh, uh, they would, you know, actually figure out that maybe we should get someone taller to guard him. <laughs> it took them a it took them a, a good while though. Well, midway through the third, I think is when they yeah. started, started putting around around it. Had, had not just his first catch, but his first few catches <laughs> in the Super Bowl 
in this game, and that was an amazing play. Um, I kind of felt like he bailed uh, Wilson out a little bit on a throw. He uh, or Matthews had to turn completely in a, a, around uh, to make this play. Um, and just an excellent play all the way around. Number 13 for those who are wondering. And it, it did, because it took a while, but this finally got uh, Russell Wilson going. Yeah. So, uh, that was yeah, yeah, his, his first completion in the game came at 536. Which, at about this point, he was a two for four on the night. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So that did lead to a Lynch touchdown. So you have 216 remaining for the Patriots. Then eight-play drive ended with a 22-yard touchdown pass to Gronk. Now, uh, Bronk was being carded by K.J. Wright, the linebacker, 6'4", 246 pounds for Bronk. You know, it's just the guy's, like, you know, so athletic and stuff. Yeah. It was completely effortless. What? Look, and it wouldn't be the only time they would make this mistake in the game. Now, granted, this was the only one that was for a score, but it would set up for another touchdown later. We'll get to that when Weasel does. But, guys, folks, people, am I the only one here? Who think it's it's a bad idea to put a linebacker on Gronk when he's split out wide? That, the, the linebacker has to go to extra effort to line up out there when that happens. What are you doing? I, I get okay, fine. You don't want Cam Chancellor on him because his knees messed up or whatever. Okay, fine. I know a few times I had Sherman lined up over uh, Gronk. Why not make it look? Whenever Gronk is lined out wide, Sherman, you're a spy. Get on it. Get, get, when I see that happen, all I can think is that they had to have not practiced Gronk splitting out. And am I wrong? Right. Well, the problem with, with Sherman is with, with his arm, he had a hard time tackling. So he put Gronk out there. I'm, I mean, Bob Brady, and I see Gronk with Sherman covering him. I'm going to tell Gronk to um, do, do like a two-step stop and dump the ball off right off him quick and just because Sherman can't tackle him. Well, with that one arm, and then you got the. Ken Taper with his hurt legs or whatever. Yeah, I would have done that all day long. They had Sherman over him every time. But, you, but you, you've changed the play to the screen, not to a simple touchdown pass that he had against K.J. Wright. I'll live with that. Right. So I'm saying, but if, they, if, they, if the Seahawks would have done that to Sherman out there on him, I would have gone with it. I would have gone with it. Well, and, and, like and, that. Yeah, and maybe, maybe Sherman, and actually I'll say this, the one thing that the Seahawks did do well with their coverage of Gronk, was mix it up and show different guys. But a linebacker on the split wide, dude. I mean, they were just waiting for that kind of matchup. So Precisely. Thank you, Weasel. So you got a 14-7 to 7 score with uh, the Patriots leading. And it's for 31 seconds left. Uh, Seattle got the ball. Uh, it would be a touchback. And a lot of teams, um, or maybe there's some teams like the Packers who wouldn't be as aggressive, uh, but <laughs> instead, instead of just nailing it, 31 seconds ain't that long, but they have to retime timeouts. Yeah, you try to at least get points out of it. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I don't think they did. I think they were just trying to run out the clock. But their first play went 19 yards. It was turbid. Yep, you have a 19-yard play, next and, play. It's on, well, well, even with that 19 yards, you bring it up to the 39-yard line now. Now you've got a chance for at least a field goal. Okay. Because you still have all three timeouts left. But they ended up getting on the next play, 17 yards. So they were at the New England 44. So, so two plays, 36 yards. Yeah. Boom. And with 11 seconds left, there was a, uh, a face mask penalty for 15 yards. That brought, yeah, I forgot about that. Right, it right. brought the, uh, the Seahawks all the way to the 11-yard line. And this guy, C. Matthews, he, his name showed up again. 
so he was uh, he took a look around to the left. Chris Matthews. Chris Matthews. Hey, I, I don't mean to play hardball with you, but you just said the dude. I know, earlier. I know, but it's like uh, no, you, you're setting me up to make yeah. a hardball adjustment. Oh yeah, of course. So that guy shows up and does something nice, eleven uh, yard touchdown, and of course he does his little like uh, you know uh, like pump up thing to the crowd and stuff and. I think that was his second reception. So first, let, let's let's get something out of the way. You're not bringing enough urgency to this whole situation. There's six seconds left, and they're 11 yards out in the red zone. I would not repeat. Would not have attempted this play. I'd have taken my points. I'd have gone on my merry way. This was a gamble, in my opinion, and it was a quick fire off play. It was well executed and probably the single best football play by the Seahawks was on this particular play, on this particular drive, hell. I know they got a 15-yard penalty to help them, but I think that play got off so fast that even had Matthews not made the play, had he not played hardball with his corner and gotten the catch, um, I think they still would have been able to get the kick. He didn't, he didn't play hardball with it. They had their third string with the corner. Cause really, their third string corner, Logan Ryan, he was playing 10 yards off of Matthews. So he's playing around the goal line on that snap. I mean, 11 yards. And when Matthew starts coming out, you play the line. You play the goal line. He took three more steps into the end zone and left them there for that quick pass. Overcommitted. You, you play to the goal line you on those things. No, you, you, you play to the goal line on those. You let him go over the top of you because you got, you got the end back of the end zone. But he's playing middle towards, he's like three yards into the end zone, gives him that. Christian right there to score the touchdown. He's just Logan Ryan. He's a third corner in. Yeah. And I don't know why they didn't put Browner over there on him with the height because they know. They hadn't I, taken him seriously. Right. But still, I mean, he's tallest freaking receiver on the field. I'll put it this way. They were still more worried about Curse and Baldwin as the big names. And maybe even Luke Wilson in this case, who was virtually quiet in this uh, particular instance. Yeah, I think it's quiet all night. Well, I, he did drop one ball that was right in his hands yeah, on another pass. And he did have a false start, too. So, hey, there you go. Great game, Wilson. But um, I, I can't – I can fault Ryan for his coverage. I can't fault them shifting over to Chris Matthews. But give Russell Wilson credit on his throw. It was very nice. It was to the outside where it needed to be, all that stuff. It was pretty risky, considering that there was six seconds, and he caught the pass with two. <laughs> so – uh, but that tied up the game at 14 all going into halftime. Dude, that's actually that you said that is proof that the Seahawks did the right things where even if they missed it, they still would have walked away at three points, potentially relying on Steve Hostra. Yeah. So, yeah. Or he uh, brought this into the third quarter where you have the Seahawks getting the ball. You have uh, the highlight of that drive. It was a seven-play drive. To open, have to open the second half. Chris right. Matthews on a first and ten at the Seattle 38. Oh, snap. 45-yard uh, reception, and it was over uh, Devin McCourty. So uh, another highlight for the guy. I think that was his third or fourth, his fourth catch, 108 yards, and a touchdown, I believe. So On the night. On the night, yes. And so uh, that led to uh, them getting to the Patriots' eight-yard line. They ended up taking a field goal. 17-14. And the Patriots now get the ball. 11-09. And you have a very... It was, a, it was actually a, a, a pretty interesting drive there. So uh, you have, uh, you have a, a, the first interception by uh, Brady. It was with a 39 at the 32-yard line of the Patriots. And uh, it looks like 
you have actually second interception. He threw one previously to Lane, right? Yeah. So second interception. Second interception. Yeah. There you go. And so uh, you have Bobby Wagner, uh, yep. a linebacker for the Seahawks. Yep. He stepped back and uh, Gronk was doing like a curl route in the middle of the field. And he, like, you know, was, like, uh, pedaling back, back, pedaling. He turned, and he smelled it. He, like, he sniffed it out. And uh, he yeah. ended up uh, getting right in front of it and intercepting it. That was pretty big. It uh, led to the Seahawks getting the ball with 8.07 remaining. Say, Weasel, was that in the middle of the field where the linebacker was operating? Yeah. And exactly. And when they had success covering Gronk, they would start out with that coverage, and if Gronk ran a certain distance, he'd be handed off to a safety. I loved it when they did that. But, again... Not when it's outside, not when he's split wide, not when he's one-on-one. Right. Well, this, this ball, too, by Brady, I mean, it was, it was poorly thrown. I mean, it threw to the outside shoulder when he's coming in yeah. to where the you just looked off that linebacker. And now he is. And now well, you're you just sent it. Right. I got you. And you throw the ball to that shoulder of Gronk. If it's on the other side of the other shoulder of Gronk, Wagner doesn't intercept this ball, and Gronk has another complete. Or takes a shot at it. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Definitely. Weave it. All right, so uh, for this drive, you have uh, they did get the ball because of the interception, good field position, and it ends up being a second and three at the New England three-yard line. Yeah, so you have Russell Wilson dropping back. You have the uh, wide receivers for the Seahawks stacked on the left side. Um, you have Darrell Rebus. Uh, he was, uh, I guess, I think he's number 24. Yeah, I learned that yes. for a certain specific reason. But on that play, you have uh, Doug Baldwin, their quote-unquote number one wide receiver. He does a slant route, and uh, you have Revis following him. And I think there was a little, there's some hands going, like uh, back and forth. I right. it was within five yards or so. It was. But it looked like Doug Baldwin pushed uh, Revis into the ref, or I think it was the, the route at least. It was, the ref did end up setting a pick. Yeah. Definitely. And so but it looked like he gave him a nudge. Like you know, hit him. Uh, I didn't see that, but maybe. maybe. It, yeah. Essentially, the guy hit the ref. Sure. Revis hit the ref, and so Baldwin was open for the touchdown. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it would be uh, 24 points for the uh, the Seahawks. They got that field goal earlier, and uh, Richard Sherman was well, on the side. Let me let me let me let me talk up the touchdown real quick. I feel like with the coverage that was there, because it was across the field like that. Uh, maybe Baldwin would not have been as open, but I feel like that still could have been. A, it, that still probably would have ended up a touchdown. It just would have been a higher degree of difficulty throw for Russell Wilson. Now, does that mean it was locked as a touchdown? Maybe, maybe not. But yeah. hey, not for nothing. The refs did an excellent pick on that play. Chris. Right. And then, I mean, Baldwin fell down on the play too, so he, he stumbled afterwards and started falling. I mean, if Reeves didn't get picked, um, didn't get picked off by the ref. You want to pick off that ball, dude. I mean, it was it was a good play. I mean, there was no one on that side of the field at all. It was a legal play for sure. Right. There was no one on that side of the field for the Patriots to cover over that way anyway. So I mean, good play call by Seahawks there. And you know that. uh, And they were thinking Lynch too. I'm sure. Russell was. I think he would have questioned himself if uh, Rebus was still on him. He would. uh, You know, do I really want to make this pass? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. But uh, there's in 2000. Well, over 2013, Revis and uh, and uh, and Richard Sherman had a like a little Twitter battle type of thing, and uh, the uh, I think it like fizzed over and uh, after time. But this season, everyone's asking who's the best quarterback. Yeah, yeah. You were Revis. This was 2013, by the so, way. So yeah. uh, you have Richard Sherman going up, you know, the camera on the sidelines, 
And he, of course, has to talk trash into it. He, he says the words, he says, two, four, two, four, with, uh, you know, showing his fingers with the numbers. And then he looks at the scoreboard and says, touchdown. So pretty much people saw, oh, they had 24 points. That's what he was referring to. I saw 24-14, but you have an alternate theory. But, oh, yeah, it was, uh, the thing about it was that I think uh, Baldwin was it like a roommate or something or a, a good friend of Sherman's. And stuff. Right. And he, I think, uh, quote, unquote, schooled Revis. So uh, as a way of mocking Revis, he said two four two four, and uh, touchdown. And uh, I thought that wasn't cool. So I hated Richard Sherman at that moment. So, <laughs> and, hey, hey, that, that wasn't the score of the game, though, 2-4. 2-4? 24. 24? That's how much they ended up scoring. Oh, there was still a lot of time left, though. What was interesting point you make there, Weasel? At this point, the, the – uh, Patriots are down 10 points. Okay. We will continue. I'd like to uh, actually give a uh, little uh, a stat for y'all for that has to do with uh, uh, the Patriots having a 10-point deficit here. Okay. Okay. So you got the Steelers under uh, Bill Cower. Okay. With a lead of over 10 points, um, Bill Cower's record is uh, 100 and 110 games. He lost one, tied one. 110 games. And you have the, the biggest comeback in the Super Bowl. It would have been 10 points. Which, uh, the Broncos, I believe, were involved with that. Something like that, I believe. And, uh, but this one, uh, they have a deficit of 10 points. Broncos are the Packers, by the way. Yeah. You kind of have a – you get a feeling with, uh, like, on the sideline, you know, with Sherman. I think uh, when he was – he was very animated with it and stuff. It's just – whoa. Whoa, Richard Sherman is animated. But they, I think a lot of the players, I think they just thought they had this game won type of thing. Because they have the number one defense, number one scoring defense, number one passing offense, number three running game defense. And how are they going to get 10 points off the phone? Mm, well, I don't know. That's a legitimate question. They are the greatest defense of all time, according to them. Yeah. So, 24-14. <laughs> so... Patriots next drive, you got 454 remaining. Uh, they ended up having the punt, uh, three and out for the Seahawks at 315. Uh, they also had to uh, get rid of that one. So real, real quick, you know, you know the, at this point right now, start of midway through the first quarter and or actually probably midway through the second quarter and see now with the Seahawks defense. So they started doing it with the defensive line. Um, it's like they took a playbook out of what the Giants did with the two Super Bowls against the Patriots because the Giants always crossed the defensive end, defensive tackles, and pressured up the middle because they know Brady couldn't handle that, and they showed that in here until the fourth quarter. That's when they stopped doing it. And how many times I say I hate prevent defenses because of that, and they stopped doing it. Right, because they stopped doing it, but they were getting the pressure, and that's where that second pick came for Brady because he threw the ball too soon because they were getting pressure because it was one after another. They were coming up the middle at him. And he, he likes to stay in the pocket, but they're doing those stunts and everything with defense and defense tackles. And I mean, that was the same thing with the Giants. The Giants said that's you know that's why they're successful in this. With the when it comes to the concept of them stopping that strategy, I'm afraid I'm going to have to quote a favorite musical group of Weasels uh, in the song "Sabotage." Of course, I'm referring to the Beastie Boys. Why? <laughs> See what I did there? Pretty much. You're so. welcome, Weasel. <laughs> now, uh, that touchdown to Baldwin, it was set up uh, earlier by, uh, you have uh, Russell Wilson, he does have some scrambling ability, and with, with 6.43 remaining 
you have, you have linebacker Chandler Jones had a clear path directly to Russell Wilson. It was like running, sack him, that's it. He whiffed. He didn't even touch him. And he ended up getting 15 yards off of that. Um, that would have been one of the plays that uh, you know, could have uh, slowed down Seattle. But uh, they didn't end up scoring a touchdown. And then you have uh, kind of back and forth. It was, uh, the Se- it was Seattle and, uh, and the Patriots just uh, you know, punting back and forth. And then you have just before the uh, – just before you have, I guess, at the, the fourth quarter – um, the uh, in the fourth quarter with the uh, 12-10 remaining, uh, the the uh, Patriots got the ball off a punt at their own 32-yard line, and after a nine-play drive, you have a second and four at the Seattle four-yard line. Uh, there was a touchdown pass to Danny Amendola, near four yards, and so that brought them within three. So you got a good amount of time left for the Seahawks. They got uh, 7.45 remaining. They want to run down the clock some. And they ended up getting uh, three and outs, and they had to punt it, punt it away back to the Patriots. Uh, they got the ball to the 36-yard uh, line. So uh, you have a 10-play mega drive here. Uh, it takes it from 16.52 all the way down to the two minutes, uh, two minutes and six seconds. You have uh, Brady. He uh, was uh, he was a uh, at the two-minute warning, we're right. on there. You have a wide receiver, uh, Julian Edelman. Yes. Uh, he looked. Uh, he was uh, running around to the left. It looked like he kind of maybe made a little push-off spin or something like that. It's within five yards. But so. I guess yeah, because it was within five yards, he did like a little uh, like a spin, like a little push, and then a spin towards and, and the he left sideline. Grab too. Let's yeah. Be it wasn't just that. Yeah. So, um, so he made a a big play by when he spun around. Brady delivered the ball. A three-yard touchdown to put the Patriots up 28 to 24. Chris, I can already feel you drooling from here. Say it. <laughs> no, this is the same exact route that Elvin ran that Brady missed earlier on the drive before in their other touchdown. It's I mean, this is a play that we used to call for play flag football instead, yeah. right? All the time, you know, you put in and back out, and Brady like gunned the ball the first time with Edelman. I mean, that ball, there was no way Edelman was catching that ball regardless of where that ball was thrown the first one. And it was, it was, he fired He was like 90 miles an hour coming at him. And so Brady this time said, I'm not going to overpower this ball because he knew it came out of his arm quick. I was like watching live. I'm like, holy cow, the ball is fast. This was the ugliest duck I have seen thrown <laughs> in the NFL, I think, ever. I, I don't know about that because I know you're watching Conference Championship Sunday when Russell Wilson threw that 500 ball to Luke Wilson on the two-point conversion. But if you're right, but, 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 that, but, that wasn't, but that wasn't a duck, though. I mean, at least that was a 500 ball. This one was like a duck fluttering sideways okay. over there. It's like okay. someone shot it or something. There was not, it wasn't pitched. It, it was like Brady was saying, I'm not going to throw this. I'm going to, you know. Gonna get like not the concrete arm, throw it down to the ground. I'm not gonna bowl the ball. I'm just gonna like lob it to him. I don't care what my form is. I'm just gonna get it to him. You know, and in, in, in the whole concept of the short dink and dunk, we touched on this earlier. Edelman, of course, had, uh, was the only Patriots receiver, receiver to break 100 yards. But a lot of that short dink and dunk action kept them in manageable third down situations. Shane Marini, goodness gracious, as as a running back, had 11 catches on the night himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and whenever I, I have my, you know, I could get my dad on the line, and every time they would do that wide set, Marine in the backfield, 
Marine's going to catch in the flat. Watch. Boom. I called that at least four times throughout the game. And there was a couple times, I'll grant that where Vereen was targeted, the linebackers had excellent coverage on it. But, but I'll, put it, I'll put it, suffice it to say that um, the total package, their, 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 their spread package with the running back coming out of the backfield, basically they sent more receivers than the Seahawks could cover overall. I thought that was a good strategy. Yeah, he, he bailed Brady out of one uh, in the first half. He had that one-handed catch. Yeah, green. That, was pretty that ball might have been intercepted. How well, bad that ball was thrown. I don't know if there's a secondary over there somewhere, but that ball was way ahead of him. He just reached out one hand to grab it. So you got uh, the Patriots. They took the lead 28-24. So you got two, a little bit above the two-minute warning left. Uh, Seattle did have all three timeouts. By the way, I believe the stat was something like 14 points total given up in the fourth quarter on the season by the Seahawks or something like that. Since week eight, thank you. So the second half of the season. In the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter. And they matched that this fourth quarter. Right, the Patriots only had, I think, 12 or something like that. Something like that, yeah. They only gave up field goals. They haven't given up last year. Well, they played a lot of their... Uh, their their division opponents during that time, but we'll leave yeah. that alone. Weasel. The thing about this Super Bowl drive is that a field goal won't win it. So Bingo. Russell Wilson's got the ball two oh two and uh he let's see he gets a pass for thirty one yards and uh there is a pass that was actually incomplete. It was intended for Chris Matthews. But there's a guy that was guarding him. It was I'm glad you got this Weasel. I'm I'm uh, very glad Brandon Browner. Was, uh, yeah Brandon Browner. I think that's a he is a six-four cornerback, and uh, he he was able to you know pretty much meet at I think at that apex right there with the guy who would have caught it maybe, but he was right there with him and it fell incomplete. Um, then there was you could look at yeah. it as like your yeah, uh, your Tyree kind of catch. You have well, oh, oh. well, well. Okay, well before you go to that, let me go real quick with that uh, Marshawn Lynch catch. They had um, Jamie Collins covering him. Out there, they're praising Jamie Collins. You know, always athletic. Oh, he's so great. He's so he was so horrible in the Super Bowl. I remember <laughs> what because they're like, oh, how how he tackles there like that. I mean, he missed Russell Wilson twice. He marched on Lynch, just juked the hell out of him one time, and <laughs> just sits on him another time. And he's out there in the flat covering Marshawn Lynch on a pass. Where's the ball gonna go? It's like when you have a linebacker on Gronk. When you have a linebacker on uh, Beast Mode. You know, and they had it earlier, the drive before, when Russell Wilson, I don't know if Russell Wilson or Marshawn Lynch, Marshawn Lynch ran it out and up. Yeah. And I don't know if he just stopped running and or Wilson threw it too far outside. Well, he always forced the ball. But, True, but he overthrew him. Right. So, I mean, that, he was open there. That was a lot of yards there. Yeah. And so they're like, why not the very first play? We're going back to Marshawn Lynch. We're going to open him up outside. And I'm that like, was a great play. It was. It was very good. I mean, for 32 yards, for 31 yards. Can't front all that. Leave it. All right, so you got uh, you have an 11 yard pass to uh, Lockett, and that brought him. Lockett, yes. They brought him to the 38 yard line of the Patriots, and uh, then you have uh, Russell Wilson throwing a deep pass to the right, and you have a uh, Curse, uh, number uh, 15. Jermaine Curse. Jermaine Curse, and he uh, he was a, a guy guarding him. His name is I guess people will know this one, Malcolm Butler. Uh, he's a rookie but free agent from West Alabama. So he goes, gets a hand on the ball as they're diving. The ball, the ball just, you know, it's kind of tipped. And so you have, uh, you have Curse fall into the ground. The ball bounces against his knee, 
bounces against his thigh, and he grabs it, and he's at about the five-yard line, and it was thought, you know, incomplete pass, he made the play. But Until. he he clearly made the catch. He got up, and at least Butler did push him out of bounds. Right. If he got up, I'm pretty sure it would have been a touchdown. He, he would have had a shot at it, and I think this is a point where we can correctly use the verb corralled for bringing this football in. This was actually an absolutely stupid catch, and really the only, the only moment, the only reason that Russell Wilson was able to get the ball down the field without giving it to Lynch in any form or fashion. I was not confident in Russell Wilson's ability to move the football passing. And, uh, well, basically with some of his choices, he proved me right. But this happened in Bale's announce. So. Yeah, it was, uh, it was the kind of play. The reason I said Tyree is that uh, – It's a tight in that, moment rather than a tight moment, yes. yes. I'll follow that. Because it was, it was so huge, and it got them the ball at the – Yard line. And by the way, how pathetic is it? Like, you know, NBC's just got that video queued up, ready to go in case someone makes a big play. And they just jumped right. Nope, they were all ready for it. Oh, my God. That was so sad. What's bad is the safety was coming over. He jumped over the ball. Yeah. Too. I mean, if that was if that was the Seahawks secondary in there, it would probably have been intercepted on that one. They would, have, they would have gone for the ball on that one. That makes sense. Weasel. So, uh, you have... Uh, a first down at the five-yard line with 106 remaining. And you still have about, I think, one more timeout remaining. And so you have Marshawn Lynch, the beast, one of the best running backs in the NFL. The best power runner in the NFL. He is, uh, definitely. Yeah. So well, he runs for uh, four yards to the one-yard line. So what am I doing? I'm knocking on the door. Yeah, exactly. And so you're, you're at the one-yard line, second down. So instead of giving it to the beast, hand the ball off. You have a timeout. You could run. It's pretty much two runs, two chances for Mar- for Marshawn Lynch. Get the ball in. If they miss that, if he got stuff, people would be like, "Well, what could you do?" Type of thing. Well, moreover, you can get back to the line and get the fourth down playoff as well. Yeah, it's, but it was like the thing was is that he was you know on fire. He just got a five yard gain, and he and the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks is uh, Daryl Bevel. He used to be actually Favre's quarterback coach. He was the offensive coordinator for the Vikings for a while. And uh, he, I guess, decided to, <laughs> yeah. He decided to make a, uh, a, uh, a slant pass over to, uh, it's, it's Ryan, or uh, uh, Ryan Lockett. Ryan Lockett, yes. It was, but you have this, that guy, Malcolm Butler. He's a rookie free agent out of West Alabama. And, he noticed that they were trying to run a pick play. You had a uh, you had Lockett in the back of the uh, uh, behind another wide receiver. Lockett would just run a slant route. Bam, goal line touchdown. Uh, the guy must have been watching film, and because uh, he said he he recognized it. And he said he watched it. Yeah, yeah exactly. he he pretty much I could say maybe outmuscled or uh, oh, he jumped it. He, he didn't jumped, it he jumped the route. Position. He yeah. jumped the route. Yeah, he was a uh, he had the position. He came down with the ball and. Uh, just one play before, or two plays before, he gave up that big pass. So he don't want to actually pick it right. on the other pass. Exactly. I mean, he had a good position on that play too. So he's all he's just a lucky draw, right? Yeah. But, but instead of you know holding like you know holding him back, uh, the guy gets the interception to the uh, returns it to the two yard line. Everyone's going crazy. You got a unsportsmanlike penalty against the uh, Patriots, Patriots right. and that brought him to the one yard line. Right. So 
20 seconds left, game's over. Not so much. You've got to remember, though, that uh, Butler, I mean, that was his first interception in his career, too. Yeah. So, so two of them in the, in the Super Bowl in their first interception. Before we get into the, the rest of what ensued, um, so let's paint this picture, folks. Weasel already states you've got the best power runner in the game in your backfield, and you're going to throw the expletive deleted ball. Now, there's already been pressers and, and interviews with Pete Carroll, and Pete Carroll goes, well, now see, what it was is we had this, we were going to try, try to do this thing, here. we had the spread set in there, but they brought their goal line formation on there already. And said, Look, stop it. What's been working all game and got Marshawn Lynch his better than four yards per carry average in this Super Bowl was two things. A, handing the damn ball to Marshawn Lynch, just cut. And B, double teaming Vince Wilforth, the world's fastest immovable object. I put this as a major matchup in the matchup mania on the NGSCSportsWeb.com website. If you don't believe me, look it up. It's there, and it has this pairing there in bold as one of the main ones you've got to watch in this game, another being Gronk, which is very interesting because they paid attention to the bet. They got an interception out of it, I'm just saying. But if all night, as long as they double teamed Wilforth, Lynch took care of the rest. There were some where they got some stops. Well, one, they were trying to block Will Fork one-on-one. Hey, life happens. You know. Another one, uh, on a couple times, Patriots uh, run blitz. So they weren't going to come back and just, they, they tried blitzing the run to try to do it, and it worked. And they only did it a couple times, but, right. I mean, it, it worked when they did it. And, and let's pretend they did that here. Oh, wait, they couldn't have, because just the basis of the formation where Butler's sitting back already tells me they weren't run blitzing, right? All right. So, in effect, they've got, they got elements of players beyond the first level sitting back, which means if Marshawn Lynch beats the first level, it's a damn touchdown. Now, sure, Brady may have another 20 seconds or, or so to work with. I can live with that. Hell, the Giants did in the last Super Bowl they beat him in, you know. But now, thanks to Pete Carroll, well, I shouldn't say Pete Carroll, but who was the coach? Uh, the offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel, and I'll Darryl, just say this. Daryl Bevel, hold on. Something that, because, of, because of this play call, I now have to listen to stupid people try to tell me that Tom Brady is better than Joe Montana for the rest of my life. Please will continue. Uh, offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel, he's the guy that gets called to play, and uh, I think Pete Carroll okayed it type of thing. That's what I think. Sure. And so he's... He's been quoted as saying, we could have done a better job staying strong on the ball. <laughs> so he's kind of he's putting a little bit of blame onto the wide receiver. You know how you stay strong with the ball, Weasel? You give it to Marshawn Lynch! Exactly. And uh, <sighs> they did uh, that, last, that last slant. They, they trusted a guy who has 18 career receptions. So, <laughs> um, you, you know what? I, I like the play. I, no, I like the play. The timing of it? No, I would have ran that on third down. Okay, I'm taking down. Maybe mix in a play action element to it? No, I wouldn't have done a play action. I, I like the play. Okay. I, it, it was a good play. I just they, you should have just handed the ball to Marshawn Lynch. If he didn't get out if he didn't get in that time, you have to call your third time out. Then then you'll have what, fourteen seconds left? You right. You throw then pass. you throw a pass. You throw that quick pick, you know, the the pick screen or you know, whatever it is. You throw that one, if it's too high, you throw it high or whatever, because then if your guy can't come up with it, it's going to be a quick pick still. Well, you can't go pick still anyway. Well, no. But then fourth down, you go back to You can run or pass, and the defense has to account for both. Right. Sorry. So, so as I said, I, I like the play. 
I would have seen it. I would have liked it on third down. That's more time we've seen it on the second down. I agree. But third down, that, that was a good play to call. No, don't knock the. It's just not his wrong placement. Well, you know, and, and with, with the crowding that was happening, and they, I mean, they might even thought Let, let's try passing because they think we're going to run. Because I mean, really, they they had eight guys in the box up at the line. It was just the cor- the two corners back there, and then the other one out on the other side. Mm-hmm. So they had to have everyone everyone up playing playing the run. They had the outside linebackers guarding. Uh, flat for Russell Wilson. So they're keen to run. It was, it was just, it's, you know, say the ball, was, I mean, it was sort of maybe a little bit higher just so you know you're wanting your receiver can almost get to it, kind of tight. Or, because if it's an incomplete, you, you just want to throw a little high just in case so you can get that other play. You don't want to go through a low if you just tackle on the one you got to call a timeout again. So. Yeah, well, if we're talking about ball plays, then let's be clear. Russell Wilson didn't throw the best one. He actually overled the receiver a little bit, if he has. Correct, yeah, I could have came back to back shoulder. Back, 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 back. Yeah, exactly, throw away from the coverage, the same as right. Brady made in his interception throwing to Gronk. Yeah, definitely at least one running play, at least one run before that. But I agree with the third down, doing the pass on the third down, yeah. I agree with that. Would have been, uh, that. Much better I, I way. don't know that I would have done that, but based on the clock management, I like the concept that I would have either run or pass at my disposal. And it came, if it came down to fourth down in one yard, I don't give a damn what formation the Patriots have out there. You're going to either run Lynch or you're going to show Lynch and put Wilson to the outside. Yep. So, bottom line. Yeah. And, and I mean, I didn't pay millions to I mean, do I mean, also, other people are like, why don't you throw a fade? You don't have a fade receiver. You really don't. And then um, how – Wilson works that ball anyway. You'll have like all four corners for the for the Patriots to be over there in the corner by the time they come down. I mean, yeah, you got Matthews in there, but you have to cover Browner on there. Browner only has to cover ten yards. Yep. The uh, Matthews, I think it was, uh, if this was done, if they tried doing uh, the fade route for Matthews in the like the first half, I think they would have gotten a touchdown. Now the thing was, was yeah, they did switch to Browner, and so that fade route uh, a little bit tough. I agree. So, but. Early on, I mean, he just, you know, he had, like, a, a ridiculously good game. So, uh, but, yeah, sure, pretty much that you have at the uh, 20 seconds left. Uh, he brought the ball back to the two-yard line, but there was an unsportsmanlike conduct. I think they were happy about the play or something, so they were celebrating. They so, it was over-celebration. Yeah. A little bit over, but I don't blame them. And they got oh. a penalty, though, and so it brought him back to about the one and the game really. Maybe even possibly within the one, but whatever. It was kind of not over then because – Brady had to get the ball out of there. If he had to no room. kneel. No, yeah. it would have been uh, if he kneeled it. It, it would have been, been most likely in the end zone. Yeah. Two points given, and the Seahawks get their ball back. But um, they Brady did his thing with a hard count, and uh, Some the uh, the victim of this <laughs> was uh, I think all the defenses were all pumped up and stuff. And you have Michael Bennett, uh, the guy. Uh, I think he has. I think they said something along the lines of he's been. I think penalized like ten times or so this season with it, and so so Brady got him. <laughs> I think it's more than I think it was like twelve or sixteen. I, I believe the stat is, and I could have this wrong, but I know they're among the top five. But I think the Seahawks are the top team in offsides uh, penalties. Correct. Right, but I'm just saying Michael Bennett in general. I think he's twelve or sixteen himself. You a rocket to supreme. <laughs> so, but wh- why he was standing up, I don't know. He had so much success during the game of. Firing through the gap from the down position. Why he was standing up 
to try to jump it. I don't understand why. You just you want to do whatever it takes to be back. I, I'm, back I'm still, I, I still with it. If you think the linemen, how they jump off sides, they should not. They should be watching the ball. They should not be listening to the quarterback. They're right there in front of the ball. Maybe linemen should jump off sides. You should just tune everyone out and just watch the ball. You don't even look at the ball because you have quicker reflex coming out of your personal vision than staring at the ball. Agreed. So once you see that ball move is when you go. You don't listen. You don't do anything. And I don't know why a defensive lineman, especially a defensive tackle, because they would put him on the inside a lot of times, even though he's the end, jump off sides. They want to try getting that jump, but especially on that corner, you, you just got to do what's been working all game. You know? So at any rate, Patriots win the Super Bowl, but a little bit more shenanigans, Weasel go. Hello? So you got uh, the Patriots move the ball because the penalties uh, due to Bennett uh, jumping off sides. They got the ball to six, so pretty much it's a kneel, kneel, kneel type of thing for the Patriots to win. But the whole thing with the fight and stuff, how there's there are swings and stuff. So go for it. Yeah, let's get to it. So they were trying to uh, get into the kneel down, try to force a fumble, long shot, yada yada yada. There was a little bit of extracurricular. Uh, I I personally saw, and, and, and um, you know, Bruce Irvin ended up getting shipped out. I don't necessarily think he was the first guy to start throwing punches, but uh, he was flagged as the guy who was the instigator of the aggression, so to speak. But, yeah, basically an all-out scrum breaks out, Gronk, and, and he gets tied up, and it's just a whole lot of mess. And, well, you know, I think uh, Darrell Rivas said something about we kept it classy. Not not really. No, well, neither side was classy at that moment, I dare say. But... At that play, it, they, pretty much the game is over. And, Correct. And it's like, it's, it's like Seattle, um, you have the bad play call, and you have the way they ended uh, the game. Um, kind of people are, you know, calling them like classless and uh, not, a, not a positive light on them. So Well, no, but I mean, let's put it this way. I, I'm not to say the whole, hey, don't go after the, the, the kneel down thing, it's the bleeping Super Bowl. Okay, and if you're an O-lineman, you know they're coming because you can tell by the way they're positioned if someone's going to be aggressive or not. So be effing ready. It's your job. Now, people who started to shove and started to grab face masks and stuff, and stuff what I saw in the film, granted I only watched it six times, was the first guy I saw reaching for face masks was, was Gronk. Now, I say the face mask specifically because there was other helmet contact. There was a whole lot of swinging going on. But the first guy to go for face mask, I saw was Gronk. And I'm not saying Gronk's had necessarily been penalized, but let's let's call a, a spade a spade here. Um, both sides were pretty uh, pathetic in our showing there. It's like the game was over, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like So, Seattle, yeah, they're looking like a bunch of sore losers. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. that was definitely true. And especially the part where you got offensive coordinators calling out their receivers for bad play calls they make. You got uh, players all over the Seahawks squad going, I don't know why we didn't run it, all this other mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you could be thinking that all you want, but you got to be careful when the mic's in your face. And I know that's easy for me to say. I don't live that life that they do. And, and, and I know that I'm a personality that would be prone to speak my mind a little bit too candidly in that situation. But. Something that was a kind of a little bit icy on the cake was that uh, uh, when you have Richard Sherman, his reaction, <laughs> when they, uh, I think when they got the interception, he was just yelling, you know, like, you know, oh, well, what, what? And then his face just turns this sadness. And he just says, no. And it's like disbelief and like, 
you know, it's like a... Let's guys, just believe it's a play call, probably. <laughs> the, uh, with my uh, Twitter handle, it's, a, it's a Weasel VSOTG. Yeah, at Weasel VSOTG. I, yeah. I uh, sent out a pic of uh, him with his, his face that was all disappointment, and uh, the caption up top is, you sad bro. Ah, he, he changed it up. So, I see what you did there. <laughs> and so there was a little bit of bad blood between Brady Great. and... Don't, don't, uh, expect, don't, don't be surprised you get some Seattle fans trying to claim you cheer for the Patriots. Uh, Trust me, that's not one of the two teams you cheer for. <laughs> yeah. So, uh... uh so. But yeah, I mean, we'll leave it at that. You got a good wrap up there, brother. Um, with, uh, with all that in mind... The MVP of the game was named to be Tom Brady. Pop quiz. Should Tom Brady no. have been? There you go. Weasel. Yes. Really? You're going up against the number one defense in the NFL, Unless the number one passing defense in the NFL, the number one scoring defense, and the number three rush defense in the NFL. And the guy made, he was 37 of 50. That's four touchdowns, two INTs. Two INTs were terrible. They were so ugly. But the thing is, is 328 yards against the best defense. People say that best defense maybe of the decade. They're up there. He still pulled it together. The Seahawks side, though, Chris Matthews would have been, should have been the MVP. But it didn't work out that way. You know, I give you respect for coming out with that answer because if you had answered it that way, I just thought about, wow, if he, if he actually thinks he earns this, I'm going to say, look, I know you had Brett Favre on your one team that one time, but – Two interceptions in an MVP is up with trying to tell me a guy who leads the career interceptions as a record is the best quarterback of all time. It's not going to fly in my boat. I see where you're coming from. You make a great case. Overruled. No, absolutely not. I, I can't do it. Two interceptions? Of course, I'll grant you this. I'll give you this much credit, Weasel. Brady deserves it more than Flacco did. I'll give you that for a mile and back. Yeah, I mean, he, he did have decent stats in the. Uh... I think his last couple guys, he was like in the 13, 13 to 15 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, given that, but those two interceptions are bad. I, me, MVP, I would have gone with uh, Julian Edelman. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, you know, you texted me that. I'm like, uh, I really think what I picked today, it could be different tomorrow, but I keep waffling between Gronk and Edelman. And what made got Edelman his numbers to get over 100 was, in my opinion, most more poor Seahawk tackling than it is Edelman doing anything. And what I know is this. Edelman got that open because Gronk drew the attention that he did. But at the end of the day, I mean, look, Edelman made good plays. Edelman um, caught the game winner. What would be the game winner? I, he, I certainly can't fault him. He, he, he's just all over the field. A lot of his he's a miss. You know, missed tackles and everything. I mean, but tackles they made. They, they go down as right, down. right. Yeah. So I mean, it, it was a lot of them were on third downs. You, you had a couple. Yeah. And he took a shot going in the you know up across the middle, grabbed a couple down. He kind of came up a little bit. No, I think it was in the first pass. I think it was one of the, the first touchdowns. Like I that. know the one you're talking about. I forget what it was. And he held on to it. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. So, I mean that that's the reason why I take it because he's he's all over the field. They, they brought him over most and that's what all these little short passes and they I mean with him and Vereen, 
third base doesn't want to look at the whole passes. And, and, passes. and he never, yeah, Vereen, definitely 11. I mean, you can make a case for him and his 11 receptions to keep the ball moving. Granted, his number his number of yards wasn't that high, but he certainly kept the chains moving in a lot of situations, not necessarily catching the conversions, but keeping their third down count low. So, anyways, we're a little late. We're, we had another topic on the docket, but that can be, that can be brought up in another two weeks. That right, that's right. Next week we are taking off. Look, let's put it this way. Chris and Weasel, they work hard. I'm a big slacker. But Chris and Weasel, they work hard. They deserve next week off, and they're going to get it. Besides, we all need to take our time to deal with the fact that football season is indeed over. Well, i got a new daughter. I guess I can hang out with her. But uh, with that in mind, gentlemen, excellent season. Chris, your overall study hall champion. Um, I think I was the one that had the closest pick uh, with the Seahawks going into this game. Correct. But uh, Weasel did win the playoffs. Whoops. So. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, with all that in mind, of course, on Twitter, hit up Weasel at WeaselDSOTG. You always hit up Chris at RankinDSOTG. And, of course, I am the student again, Kyle Nash, at DSOTG on Twitter. And uh, see you guys in two weeks. Uh, until next time, class dismissed.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.